Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. Uh, so, of course, uh, yesterday was a very, very big day. And certainly for us here in South Africa, for supporters of Israel, for Jews in South Africa, a very, very difficult day as we watched our country and our government regurgitating Hamas facts as though Hamas uh, fed information as though it is fact. And it's just uh, always amazing to me that there is an acceptance as to what Hamas did, the atrocities that they committed on October the 7th, even though it hardly was mentioned yesterday. So we we know that they can murder and they can rape and they can burn and they can take hostages. But we assume somehow that they don't lie, which is just uh, always unfathomable to me. Anne Hertzberg is a legal advisor for of NGO Monitor. She's an expert in warfare, legal warfare. We wanted to discuss yesterday's events with her. And a very, very good morning. And thank you for taking the time to speak to us. How are you doing? Good morning. Thanks so much for having me. So uh, yesterday's, uh, yesterday's, uh, I don't know what it was, obstac- uh, uh, w- w- whatever it was yesterday, uh, the presentation by South Africa uh, before the court. Give us an overview. Give us your sense of how that transpired. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't really ex- describe it with any other word besides farce mm-hmm. and maybe grotesque. <laughs> Um, so basically, uh, you know, at the International Court of Justice in The Hague, notably outside of the court, there was a protest march by members of of families of the hostages. And to me, that was such a striking contrast to see these poor people who have no information on their families have been completely abandoned by the international community. And then here you have in the International Court of Justice, South Africa essentially acting on behalf of Hamas. I detected no difference in their language from what you would hear from Hamas. You know, just making a mockery of the International Court of Justice. So how complicit is the Court of Ju- International Court of Justice in this, what you call, farce? So, um, there, so there's what is known as the Convention uh, to Prevent uh, Genocide, And in that convention, there's a provision that um, states may bring other states uh, basically for a case against them at the International Court of Justice. So because South Africa and Israel are both members to this to this convention, the the South Africans have brought this complaint to the International Court of Justice. Um, So while there's this very thin veneer, though, of jurisdiction, um, it, it's really a, a, what I would consider to be a weaponization of and an exploitation of not only the convention, but also of the court. The fact that South Africa has very openly disregarded um, some of the rulings of the court, does that not hold any relevance for the court? Yeah, what's unfortunate is those types of things do not appear to hold any relevance for the court, which I don't really understand. Um, You know, politicization of the court, unclean hands. Um, Also, when we're dealing with the International Criminal Court, South Africa has flouted its obligations to that court. So it's quite hypocritical. Um, but unfortunately, there's no mechanisms in the courts that um, are able to prevent the misuse of it. 
South African social media is, and uh, and many of our media houses, are, which uh, obviously we sometimes are concerned about in terms of bias, but uh, many social media users and experts are saying that South Africa's uh, presentation yesterday was devastating, and it's almost impossible for Israel to refute today what was said yesterday. Give me your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, that that's completely ridiculous. And that's spin. Um, when I, I watched the proceedings, and I've also read the complaint a few times. And I read reread the transcript of the proceedings before I'm speaking to you today. And really, what it is, is it's a litany of false accusations, false claims. Um, I mean, even from the very first sentence, mm. um, it, it was you know, false claims coming out of the mouths of the South African legal representatives, um, claims like Israel controls, Israel has controlled the civilian infrastructure of Gaza since 2004. Uh, you know, that was one thing that struck me. Yeah, you know, uh, this, yeah the internal yeah. control of Gaza movement. Uh, I was like, what? Right, exactly. You know, if Israel left Gaza in 2005, it pulled out all of its settlements, all of its, uh, all of its installations there. Um, how do they get the entire territory embedded with ton- terror tunnels and rocket launchers and all of this other terror infrastructure if Israel was in, in control of the civilian infrastructure? Mm, mm, mm. So it was things like that all throughout the, their presentation. One word you barely heard in their presentation was the word Hamas. Yeah, so it barely existed. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So uh, anyone who thinks that that was a fair and and frankly, I will say, uh, you know, I used to practice law. I was a litigator in the United States, and I know if claims like that had been made in a United States court, they would have been thrown out immediately and probably sanctioned for lying to the court. Well, I was, was going so to I was, I was going to ask you that: is how can how can South Africa make claims in terms of the number of the number of, of dead, the the hospital claims that Israel was deliberately targeting hospital? It, it, there, there were just so many appallingly incorrect, and maybe I'm going to ask you for a for, for you know to, to to point us in the direction of more of those that uh, more of the lies. But it surely you know it's not a normal court where you can you can put a witness on on the stand and actually question those uh, that how they got to those figures or those facts uh, but uh, how do they just simply get away with saying clearly false uh, and inaccurate information yeah I mean it's a real problem with all of these types of international courts um, there's very weak standards governing them and there's no accountability so you know when you're dealing with a domestic court you have the whole system is set up by is at least in democratic countries, um, you know, there's a whole system with checks and balances and accountability and rules and procedures. And when it comes to these international courts, those things are quite thin and there's no accountability. There's no address to go above when they flout anything that appears to be, you know, normal norms of ethics and judicial procedures. So those really do not exist in these courts. Mm. Now, um, so that so that's a huge problem. And then the other problem is these courts do not have uh, resources to do any type of real factual investigation or verification. So um, they do not have subpoena powers. 
they do not have connections with governments where they can actually get the facts that they need. So, and also they're tied to the UN. So really, what, it, what does this court do? It relies mostly on UN documents that themselves are not verified. And I've done a lot of writing about the re UN reporting process and how um, non-credible it is. But um, so that's what these courts rely on. Most of them are not experts in, in um, military operations. N none really are. Um, many of the judges themselves have no international legal qualifications. They're political appointees. So coupled all of that together, you have a very weak uh, judicial mechanism, which, you know, essentially is just serving, as it did yesterday, as a platform for propaganda. Well, I was just going to say, it's really then, it really is quite literally a court of public opinion. Because if you can't interrogate the facts and anybody can really say anything uh, without verifying that information, then it really just is about making a, it, it, a, a statement that wins hearts and minds. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and it's, it's especially egregious, yeah, that you can't challenge. So they were allowed to speak for about three hours. Mm, mm. And, that, and that's the process. But there's no questioning. There's no challenging. So, yeah, there's no testing of what they're saying. It, this this type of this type of charade is 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 not acceptable in any court that I'm aware of. In yeah. a domestic so, 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 so then how binding can a finding ever be from a court that doesn't even have the capacity or the mechanism to verify information? Yeah, I mean, they're, you know, they're, they'll say that their ruling is legally binding and, you know, maybe that's true technically, but, um, you know, if you're, I don't, if you're operate, there's no, there's no enforcement, you know, first of all, so they can say whatever they want, mm -hmm. you know, it's up to the, the states to uh, follow what they say. But, um, you know, when you when you have a, a body that that is going and I obviously I don't know what they're going to say, but I can predict, <laughs> you know, um, but, um, you know, when you have a, a court that is so divorced from reality and fairness, even if in the end, maybe they're ruling, you know, it could be they're not going to give Israel a bad ruling, though I doubt it. But um, when it's so divorced from from those things, um, I think you have an obligation not to follow it. You you can't go along with with you know this type of perversion mm, of mm. of norms. I want to read you a, a statement by a South African lawyer who says, let's clear up some of the common misunderstandings about what South Africa's complaint is about. Number one, Israel's contention that Hamas is an anti-Semitic terrorist organization with a genocidal intent is not in issue. Number two, the scale and nature of the 7th of October atrocities is not in issue. Number three, Israel's right to self-defense and its right to wage war against Hamas in order to destroy for good its capacity to attack Israel and its people and free the hostages is not an issue. What's an issue is the manner in which the manner in an intention with which Israel is conducting the war. South Africa contends that based on the utterances of senior Israeli political and military leaders and the conduct of its military forces in Gaza that the clear uh, that it is clear that Israel's strategy is to destroy Hamas uh, is to and is to target civilian populations in Gaza and to punish them. Uh, your, 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 your response to that? Yeah, I, th I find that completely disingenuous Tell because, me of course, 
I'm sorry, I find it completely disingenuous. Right. What she said, because regardless of what Israel does, they would be complaining about it. Um, in every conflict, they complain. They offer no viable alternatives. Um, they don't. They're not providing any analysis of why a particular strike was disproportionate or was supposedly targeting civilians. They've never proven that. Um, and so, you know, they make these nice little, you know, one-off statements about Hamas and, oh, yes, of course, Israel's right to, self de to self-defense. And yet everything that Israel does is supposedly a violation of the, their made-up rules of international law. So, um, and, and also, actually, the, the, another thing I found quite um, obscene yesterday was one of the representatives made a claim that they had resoundingly condemned Hamas. And I went back and I read South Africa's supposed condemnation made on October 7th. Oh, there was no condemnation no, in that state. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. So, there, there was nothing. Uh, you know, they, yeah, South Africa is totally, exactly. totally unmoved by dead Jews. It's as simple as that. It is as simple as that. You can pretend it any other way. The fact that Naledi Pandor uh, called Hamas, went to visit Iran, but did not reach out to Israel, with whom they have, uh, or certainly at that time, still had an embassy here in South Africa, speaks volumes and never condemned it, never reached out to the Jewish community. Uh, it speaks volumes. So uh, their credibility is for certain in question. Yeah, it's 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 horrible. Um, and so that's why when when you know, and this is a typical pattern we've seen in other conflicts, we see this done by groups like Human Rights Watch and Amnesty. They'll always say, oh, Israel has a right to self-defense. But exactly. <laughs> and and the, the, there's not you know, there's never anything offered. It's everything Israel does is always wrong, <laughs> always portrayed in the worst light, you know, or lied about. And then they never offer an alternative. Well, what would be acceptable to you? And really, the only acceptable answer is to allow Hamas to continue what it's doing. <laughs> yeah, and, and and that seems to be the case. And that, uh, you know, that seems to be the intention to, is to tie Israel. And it's not only about Israel. Make no mistake, this is going to be about For future sure. wars. This is about limiting all Western or uh, the democracies from being able to respond to a terror group. A hundred percent. And it's interesting. And when I woke up this morning, I, I was checking Twitter and there's a whole bunch of uh, now the same thing they're doing against the U.S. and the U.K. for going after the Houthis. Mm, mm. So, it, it, you know, this is far beyond, um, you know, the, the conflict in Israel. Unfortunately, yeah. And uh, in terms of what Israel is likely to present today, I saw that there was this attempt by South Africa to say, you know, we're not turning this into a theater, uh, which is precisely what they did do. But uh, we're not turning this into a theater and showing videos and uh, all sorts of things. I assume that that was an attempt to try and curtail Israel and not to allow them to present or to discourage them from presenting video uh, footage. What do you think is going to happen? Yeah, I mean, they they did show video yesterday mm, mm. in imagery, you know, and um, which I thought I, was odd had, because they made this whole thing about not doing so. Right, exactly. So it's, again, double standards. Um, 
I had seen that Israel apparently wanted to show the footage of what Hamas did, but has been blocked from doing so. I'm not sure if that's confirmed. Um, I think Israel should try to do it anyway. Um, I think. But it's why would they be stopped? I don't understand how they could be stopped from doing so. I'm not sure because I, I was looking for it and I, I didn't see, um, I don't know if the court, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the rationale would be or if the court has the power to prevent them from doing it. Right. Um, so I guess we'll see what happens today. Um, I think, but again, I think they should show it. Even if the court yesterday said they shouldn't, I think they should try to do it anyway. Mm, um, mm. Because it's, it's very important, you know, if we should be able to present our case and our story. Yeah. And in terms of there was also some uh, some thoughts around discrediting UNRWA, which uh, I think they do a fantastic job of, of discrediting themselves. But that aside, uh, the the uh, strategy of discrediting UNRWA, discrediting the United Nations uh, in of itself, what's, uh, you know, I, I saw that that was a recommendation which Israel might or might not follow. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think there has to be accountability. You know, Hamas took over this territory in 2007 in a violent coup. And for now 16 years almost, more, more than 16 years, they have created this territory and turned it into a terror lair, completely overrun with tunnels, weapons, um, killing, torture. Um, many wars and conflicts have resulted. And all of this was done thanks to the billions of dollars of humanitarian aid that poured into the territory. There are supposedly 13 UN agencies operating in Gaza, over 70 international humanitarian organizations. And I would like to know how did those people not know what was going on? Of course they knew what was going on, but there was this, what I've been calling an omerta, where they've been completely silent. And I think some of the extreme reaction we've seen from the UN since this conflict began was precisely because they know Israel going into Gaza the way it has, they are un- and they have been uncovering all the evidence of collaboration and complicity that the UN agencies have been doing uh, to allow Gaza to become what it, what it was, what it has been. Um, yeah, there was almost this desperation you saw as Israel was getting closer, even to the hospital. Yeah. Uh, there was this desperate need to stop them immediately uh, because of, I thought, of, of what they might find. And it, and it did transpire that that was pretty much the case. Exactly. And, and the other egregious thing, um, which we've, we've started to see, we began to see it in November, but since the hostages are now, the released hostages are starting to speak out, Many of them have said that they were being held in hospitals or transferred at some point to hospitals, not for treatment, but to be held there. So I find it also quite hard to believe that all of the medical staff, you know, ICRC, Médecins Sans Frontières, all of these groups have people on the ground in these hospitals and none of them knew about the hostages there either. It it boggles the mind. Mm, mm. 
the the other the the, the final point or, or one of the other comments that that I'm curious to hear about is there's this there's was this assumption or this uh, I'm not sure if it was said you, you you followed it more closely than I did that Hamas is not a party to the charter they're not a nation uh, a country so therefore they cannot be held accountable uh, which obviously is 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 strictly and legally speaking correct but doesn't that create an impossible situation where where there can be no accountability or demanded from a terror organization because they're a terror organization but a a country uh, that is trying to hold itself to a high standard um, can be placed on trial, you, you know, uh, uh, because of allegations made essentially by the terror organization. Yeah, I th- so that that's a misconception. Hamas is bound by the rules of armed conflict. Okay. That covers all actors in a conflict. So they are bound by those rules. Um, also, they individuals can be held criminally liable for things like genocide, crimes against humanity, war crimes. So, for instance, um, you know, countries that have universal jurisdiction or if, or if some of these Hamas killers are um, nationals, you know, let's say of France or Germany, also, they they can be prosecuted there or also under what's known as universal jurisdiction. Mm-hmm. So they can be held accountable. Um, also, one of the, the strictest regimes, legally speaking, is to stop terror financing. And that they can be held accountable. They can be um, sanctions can be imposed on them. So there are many, many things that can be done. And then, frankly, Let's let's you know, we'll speak about the elephant in the room, which is Iran. Mm. So this is a state sponsored terror group by the Iranians uh, and Iran can be held responsible as a state in many mechanisms. And also they've they've um, throughout the course of the conflict, we've seen that there have been weapons discovered from Russia, North Korea. Um, so there, there are several other countries that uh, are implicated in what has happened. Um, and certainly Israel could um, enact legal measures against those countries as well. Very, very interesting indeed. That is all we have time for, uh, but uh, absolutely fascinating conversation. Thank you for your time, for your effort, and uh, for the detail that you shared with us. Anne Herzberg, she's a legal advisor of NGO Monitor and an expert in lawfare.